Thank you for tuning in to our North Point Community Church podcast. Wherever you are in your faith journey, we pray that as you listen to this message, you will be encouraged and empowered. If you would like more information about our community, visit our website at ncc.team. Well, how I look tonight? A Philadelphia Eagles jersey. You know, somebody said, well, were you, you upset about the game? I said, no, I'm not upset at all. They said, well, why not? I thought you were cheering for the Patriots. I said, well, yeah, I, th- I thought the Patriots were going to win. They said, so why are you not upset? I said, because there's, there can be a no such thing as an atheist anymore. I mean, once you saw the, the Eagles beat the Patriots, you have to believe in God after that. Like, it's, it's a miracle. I mean, up until this time, I mean, I, I think, you know, the greatest miracle probably in the last 5,000 years was, you know, the parting of the Red Sea. That was eclipsed on Sunday night when the Eagles beat the Patriots. It became the greatest miracle ever. And so uh, this is just a testimony of God, the testimony to God right here. So I wear this gladly. What, look what the Lord has done. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28, and we're going to be looking at uh, the life of a man by the name of Jacob, Uh, and uh, Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. Maybe you've heard of Abraham. He is the the son of of Isaac. Uh, He is what is often referred to throughout the whole Bible as the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is... uh, uh, and when we're going to pick up the story, Jacob is on the run because uh, Jacob had a brother by the name of Esau, and Esau was the oldest brother in the family. And um, because Esau was the oldest brother, Esau had what is called a, a birthright. That means that because he was the oldest, uh, he would get twice as much as everybody else in the family when it became time to divide up the land or divide up their wealth. And, and that birthright was something that was very sacred, and it was very special. Um, and one day, Esau comes in from the field, and, and he's been out there uh, hunting, and he's tired, and he's weary. And the, Bi- the Bible says that Esau despised his birthright. And, uh, and he says, give me some of that soup, because Jacob was there in the kitchen making some soup. And, and he says, hey, give me some of that soup. And Jacob says, okay, if you give me your birthright, I'll give you some soup. And he says, what good is that birthright to me if I die here? But we know he wasn't die. He was, he was just a little tired. He was a little weary. And so Jacob says, swear to me. And he says, okay, I swear to you. And so it says there that Jacob got the birthright. But not only did Jacob get the birthright, because then there was something else that came after the birthright, and that was the blessing of the father. And the, the blessing of the father would be the, the, uh, it would be the transfer of the blessing that came from Abraham, that came to Isaac. And we're going to read that in just a moment. And, and that blessing would be transferred to the son. And, and Jacob actually tricked his, his father into getting that blessing. And so now he's got the birthright and he's got the blessing. And as you can imagine, Esau was a little upset about it. Esau is upset and his mom overhears Esau talking about, I'm going to kill my brother. And he goes to, she goes to Jacob and says, Jacob, you, you need to get out of here right now. You need to pack you a bag and get on the road. And so this is where we pick up the story. Jacob is on the run, and he is on the run, and he's heading towards his relative's house, his, his uncle's place, Uncle Laban. That's the direction that he's moving in. And we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 28. We'll start reading in verse 10. It says, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp, 
and he stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. Come on, how many knows times are tough? <laughs> you find the stone and you lay your head down for a good night's sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from, from, the, from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not even aware of it. But he was also afraid, and he said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means the house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return to my father's home safely, then the Lord will certainly be my God. The Lord will certainly be my God. Now, I, I'm going to go ahead right now, and I'm going to throw out a little spoiler alert, okay? Uh, you don't, don't you hate when people, like, spoil a good movie for you? You know, there, there was a time, like, on social media before people, like, knew this was a thing, uh, where, like, they would, like, give you the ending of the movie. It was like, you know, before, like, people were like, what are you doing, you stupid idiot? You know, before that happened, you know, they, they would just throw out the ending of the movie or what they thought about them, all this kind of stuff. They would throw it out there, and, and they, would, they, would, they would spoil the movie. So I'm just going to go ahead, and I'm going to give you the spoiler alert now, but I'm telling you, I'm spoiling the story for you. I just need you to know that in the end, it works out really good for Jacob. You, you just need to know, he, he's on the run, and he, he left with nothing, but, but I need you to know the end of the story. The end of the story is that everything that God promised him would come to pass. The end of the story is that it would, he would die a very blessed man. He would die a very wealthy man. That, that is the end of the story, but, but there are some things that we can learn about this journey towards expansion, because that's where he's on. He's on a journey towards expansion. He, he's on a journey towards multiplication. He's on a journey towards growth. He's on a journey that, that, that would see his livestock multiply. He would, he would go there with nothing, but he would come back with, and he would have wives and he would have children and he would have servants and he would have all kinds of camels and donkeys and sheep, all kinds. God would so bless him in every way possible. But you see, there was a journey towards expansion. 
How you know we want to step from one moment where we are and the next moment into the full promise of God? How many just understand it doesn't work that way? You know, I said a few weeks ago on a Sunday that, that we just want the steps to growth, but God wants to take us through the seasons of growth. Now, I just want to know, okay, just tell me, one, two, three, I just do these three things, and I arrive at this result, and God's saying, no, it's going to take a little bit longer than that. I've got a process, and I want to take you through some seasons, and, and this is what we see in, in Jacob's life, and, and we're going to look at a few of those seasons. It's just seasons along the pathway to expansion, because we've said that this is our year of expansion here at North Point Community Church, and I believe it's going to be the year of expansion for your faith. I believe it's going to be the year of expansion for your vision. I believe it's going to be the year of expansion for your prayer life. I believe it's going to be the year of expansion for, for good habits. I believe it's going to be the year of expansion in every way possible for your life. But we're not going to go from here to there in one night's sleep. No, it's going to be a process. It's going to be a journey. And along that process and along that journey, we're going to find ourselves in some seasons of expansion. And we see these in in, in Jacob's life, and I, I just want to point out some of these seasons, part, part of the journey that we will all encounter. And, and in verse 16, when Jacob wakes up from his sleep, after he's seen this ladder and angels going up and down, the Lord standing at the top speaking this blessing, I'm not going to leave until I've finished everything I promised you. I mean, just all kinds of great stuff. And he wakes up and he says, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not even aware of it. What an awesome place it is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway of heaven. The first season that we see here is that he was unaware. He was unaware. Now, you can preach this one way and say, well, Jacob was unaware, but we should never be unaware. I mean, you can take that approach and say, you know, the heavens declared the glory of God. God is all around you. We should never, ever be unaware. And that is something that we could take out. And if we wanted to preach it that way, we could preach it that way. And man, we could preach it good that way. And we could talk about how faithful God has been in the past. We need to be aware of his presence today. We need to be aware of his provision today. We need to be aware of his goodness today. We need to be aware. Absolutely, all of that would be good. And I would love to preach that to you, but I didn't come to preach that angle tonight. I came to preach the angle of being unaware. Being unaware because this is what I can tell you about Jacob. He was unaware, but that didn't mean that God was unavailable. He was unaware, but that didn't mean that God was unavailable. He was unaware what God was doing on this journey. He was unaware that the presence of God was there. He was unaware, but God was not unavailable because God was still there even though he wasn't aware of it. And you see, in the journey of life, you're going to come into seasons of life where you're just unaware of what God is trying to do. You're unaware of the magnitude of what he's trying to do. You're unaware of where he is actually taking you. You're unaware of what he is actually trying to give you. And it's not really intentional. You're not trying to ignore the Lord. You're not in rebellion against the Lord. You're just on your journey and you're unaware of what God is trying to do. He's got goodness and mercy trying to track you down and overtake you. He's got things that are coming after you, blessings that are trying to chase you down. And you're just living your life and you're just doing your thing, but you are living in a state of unawareness. 
You see, you, you have to think, surely, I mean, surely Jacob had heard the story before. I mean, come on, it was, his, it was his grandfather, Abraham, that was living among the idol-worshiping people. It, it, was his, it was his grandfather, Abraham, that heard the voice of God and packed up everything and left to go to this land that God would show him. I mean, it, 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 was, it was his dad, Isaac, that Abraham laid on the altar and lifted a knife over to sacrifice his son because God had asked him to do it. And then the angel appeared and said, no, Abraham, don't Abraham. Don't, don't touch the boy. I, now I know that you fear me. Now I know that you're with me. Now I know that I can trust you because, because you didn't withhold your one and only son from me. You were about to sacrifice your only son. And God says, no, surely he heard the stories. Surely he heard about the promise that God gave his grandfather and the promise that God gave his father. Surely he had heard it before. But you see, there's, it's a big difference between information and revelation. Because he had the information from his family. He had heard the story before, but you see, whenever he laid his head down on the stone and he had a dream and he saw the angels and he saw the Lord and he heard the Lord speak and he heard the promise come out of God's mouth, let me tell you, it went from information to revelation just like that. The information is when you... When you have some truth, revelation is when the truth has you. He had information because he had heard the story, but the story didn't have a hold of him. But you see, after this, after this, things would change because now he had not just information, now he had revelation. He had revelation knowledge of what God was doing. And we see this throughout Scripture. Do you think that David was really aware when he was out there with the sheep as just a young boy and he had this little sling that he had made and he got a little rock and he just took that little rock and he was just throwing it at that tree and he was trying to hit those marks and he was just playing around with that sling. He was just working that sling every day out there with the sheep. I mean, what else are you going to do out there? And so he's just trying to hit that tree and maybe he was a little naughty you know he's hitting the sheep every now and then getting out of line and he's just working that sling and he's working that sling do you think that every time he picked up that sling he was thinking you know one day there's probably going to be a nine foot tall philistine giant that's going to be defying the armies of israel and i'm probably going to have to be ready and i got to be ready with my sling no he was out there just doing his thing and he was unaware that the thing that he was working and the gift that he was working and the talent that he was perfecting he was unaware that one day that would bring deliverance for all of God's people and would cause him to become king. He was unaware. He was unaware of what was actually taking place. What, what, about, what about Joseph when he got thrown into that pit? Do you think that, that Joseph, when he was betrayed by his brothers and thrown into that pit, they're talking about killing him? They don't kill him. They decide instead to sell him into slavery because the slave traders were passing by and they thought, well, if we kill him, we're not going to get any money for him, so we might as well sell him. That way we'll have some extra spending money when we get back home. And so they sold, his, they, they sold their brother. Do you think that when Joseph was in that pit, he was thinking about, wow, this is going to be so good because I'm going to get in this caravan of slaves and they're going to take me into Egypt and then God's going to elevate me to, to, to a place that I would have never been and I'm going to have so much power and I'm going to have so much authority and I'm I'm going to get to see God do it. No, no, no. He was in a pit and he was unaware. 
He was unaware that he was about to be sold into slavery. He was unaware that he was going to be taken into Potiphar's house. He was unaware that God was going to bless him. Then he was going to be falsely accused and thrown in prison. And when he got thrown in prison, he was going to meet the cupbearer and the baker. And then finally they would tell the the Pharaoh, hey man, you need to get this guy because you got a dream. And this guy knows how to answer dreams. And he would step out of prison into the palace and he would interpret the king's dream. And the king would elevate him to be the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. But when he was in the pit he was unaware but after it was all over he looked back and he said what the enemy meant for my harm God meant it for my good you meant it for evil but God meant it for good in my life but you see while he was walking the process he was unaware see you have seasons where you're just unaware you don't realize what God's doing you just you just know you're waking up early than you've ever woke up and God's like I just you know, why don't you pray a little bit? You don't, you don't know, you don't know what, God, what God's doing. You, you don't understand. You're just jo- you're just, you just joined a group on Sunday. So, man, this church thing, I don't know. I don't know about this. Oh, wow, they got groups. Oh, I'll just walk over here. I'll just, maybe I'll just join a group. Oh, yeah, sure, I'll show up on Tuesday night. You've never done anything like that in your life. And you don't know that you're about to go on the greatest faith adventure you have ever been in your life. That you are going to become a, a conduit of the, of the Lord's joy and peace into your family. That, that God is just going to begin to flow through you and reach your coworkers and reach your family. God's going to begin to use you in ways. And you just showed up one Sunday and we had group Sunday. You just walked over and took a car and thought, oh man, well surely I, maybe I'll just go up and hang up and God's doing things and you are just unaware. Yeah. It's not you don't care, you're just unaware. Just unaware. It's, it, it's, it's the seasons. It's the seasons of expansion. We, we all go through seasons where we're just unaware. God's doing more than we know he's doing. God, God's connecting things that we don't even see him connecting. God, God's adding and taking away. We don't even realize what he's doing and that's where Jacob was. Move on to verse 18. It says, the next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it, and he said, this place is Bethel, which means the house of God, although it previously had another name called Luz. Here, here's the second, the second season along the journey of expansion. The, the first season is we're just, we're just unaware, but the second season is that we're unprepared. We're, just un, we're, just un, we're unprepared. I mean, he, he left home, and he left home on the run. Don't you remember? He didn't get to pack it up. He didn't get the gifts from dad and the gifts from mom and the gifts from uh, cousin and auntie and everybody else. No, my man was on the run. His brother was talking about killing him. His mom said, you got to get out of the house right now. And he just took what he could grab, and, he, and, he, and he's on the run. And as he's on the journey, God appears to him. He, he had no sacrifice but he did have a stone. He didn't have an offering, but he did have some oil. And the greatest thing about God is God will take whatever you got. He didn't have an animal to sacrifice. He didn't have a crop to give. He didn't have anything. All he had was a little oil in his pocket and the stone that he had laid his head on. And I just want you to think, if he had to pick up the stone and find the stone and lay the stone down so he could lay his head on it, I mean, we're not talking about a mountain stone. We're talking about a little stone. And he, and, and he probably had to turn it up right just so he felt good about it. 
<laughs> so, so low. He's like, man, I got to do better than this. Oh, let's turn it up right. At least we'll give God this. You know, and he turns the stone up and then he pours the olive oil on it. You see, whenever you are unprepared, God will take whatever you have. The stone and the oil, that's all you got, that's all you need. Because God will take whatever you have. God will use it. Now I remember when I started preaching. You ought to pray for those people that had to endure that early on in my journey. I, I remember, I know I've said so many times here, but, uh, but I found my... I found one of my, my notebooks that just a, a few years ago that I, that I used to preach out of when I was in college. I mean, th- th- there was probably more things wrong in there than there were right. But, man, people were getting saved left and right. People were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. People were being baptized in water. I mean, we were having all-out revival. We, we had 300 people. I had the second largest Christian meeting on the campus of the University of North Carolina. And, and just in three semesters, they, they were piling in. We had, to, we had to go to one of the biggest classrooms on campus to get everybody to fit in there. But it, it was revival. Why? Because God will use whatever you got. You got some passion and some desire. God will use that. You don't, you, don't, you don't have perfect theology, but you got some theology, you know, that Jesus loves the world, you know, okay? You, you know that there is power in the blood, you know, that he wants to forgive sin, that he wants relationship with mankind, that he made a way for people to be connected with God through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Okay, God will use that. You might not be able to describe how the Trinity works, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, I don't really know about that. <laughs> End times, you're like, oh, I don't really read the book of Revelation, but I can tell you about the Gospels. Let me tell you, God will use whatever you got. I remember preaching in, in I mean, this was, this was after I'd, I'd been in college for four years preaching. I spent a year coaching college football. I came back to, uh, uh, to be the youth pastor at, at Shreveport Community Church, and uh, I, I remember uh, preaching in, in my first year, and I, I preached, and man, I, I was talking about Luke. And I say, you know, disciple Luke, disciple the Luke, the disciple of Jesus. One of my little eighth grade kids came up, Pastor, Pastor Philip. I'm like, yes. He's like, don't you know that Luke wasn't a disciple of Jesus? He wasn't one of the twelve. I said, yes, he was. Son, shut your mouth. Get back over there. Don't you know? I know a lot more. He goes away. He comes back with his Bible. Pastor Philip, this is the 12 disciples listed right here. Do you, do you see Luke's name right there? So, son, if you ever want to hear anybody call your name, you better shut your mouth right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I thought Matthew was a disciple. Mark was a disciple. John was a disciple. Why they got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? He ain't a real disciple. Come on. Luke, the physician, he got in, he got in a little late, you know? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So the peop, there are people going around right now talking about, you know, Luke, the disciple. <laughs> What's what my youth pastor said? But I can tell you what, 
I might have been calling a Luke, Luke, Luke a disciple, but we went from 40 students to 340 students. I, I might not have been perfect, but come on, can, can somebody say God was doing something? One, one day we baptized over 60 people. God was doing something in those, in those kids' lives. It wasn't perfect, but I'm, I'm just here so you know that, that God will use whatever you got. God will use the knowledge that you have. He'll use the prayer that you can pray. He'll use the connections that you have. He will use it. You might not be prepared to do everything that God has called you to do, but, but God will use you to do what you can do today. Don't just sit back and dream about what can be. Don't sit back and think, wow, that promise sounds really good. No, God wants to do something through you today. Just let God, all I have is a stone. God will use the stone. All I have is a little oil. God will use that little oil. You don't have to have a big sacrifice. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all planned out. You say, but I'm a little unprepared. That's okay. That's why God is God. And that's why he's so big because it wouldn't matter what you presented him. It would be so small and insignificant anyway that he looks down and says, I'll take the stone and I'll take the girl and I'll put my blessing on it and I'll be the one that'll take you from here to there in your life. You see, we... we we, we deal with, with being unprepared. Think about the disciples when Jesus looked at them. 5,000 men, hungry men, plus women and children. Somewhere between fifteen and 20,000 people. And Jesus said, they don't have enough food to eat. Philip, I want you to feed them. I, I'm a little unprepared. I'm a little unprepared for this moment. Uh, I, I don't, we've never... We've never done this before. I, we've never been the drive-through. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. Chick-fil-A is not around yet. I mean, what, they're walking around. What are we? What are we going to do? And finally, this little boy brings a lunch and and a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. And they they say, uh, "Well, Lord, I mean, this is this is what we got." And Jesus says, "That'll do. That'll do." Oh, you're not prepared to feed them. That that's okay. That's okay. What do you have? What do you have here? Oh, you you have a, a few. Okay, just tell the people to sit down. Tell them to sit down and, and I'll do the rest. See, you're going to have seasons where you're just unprepared for what God's asking you to do. You're not qualified to do it. You're not prepared to do it. J Jacob was unprepared to offer God anything that we would say would be significant, but he offered God what he had. And when he offered God what he had, when he was unprepared, God put his blessing on it. Let's, let's get to this last season, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Well, before we go there, I, I, I mean, Ephesians 3.20 does say that, that, that we serve a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we ask or think. The NIV says immeasurably more, right? That he can do immeasurably more. Are you going to be prepared all the time for immeasurably more? How are you going to get so prepared that you're going to be prepared for the exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ask, think, or imagine? How are you going to do that? You're not going to be, you're going to be unprepared. There's going to be a season where you're unprepared. God gets ready to do exceedingly abundantly above in your life. God get, God's getting ready to do immeasurably more in your life. And you're going to sit there and say, but God, I'm not prepared for that. And then he says, that's okay. Use what you got. Take that stone, turn it upright. Take that olive oil out of your pocket and pour it on top of that stone. And I'll put my blessing on it. And even though you're unprepared, I'm always prepared. And my blessing will be enough for you. Take us to the third season here. Verse 20, 
Then Jacob made this vow. He says, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. Here's a Here's the third thing that we see, this third season. We, he was unaware. We see that, that, that he was unprepared. And the third season is he was just unsure. He was unsure. Come on now, he just, he just had a vision. You'd think, come on, Jacob. You, sure, surely, I mean, you, you saw the ladder, man. You saw the angels going up and down. You saw the Lord himself standing at the top of the ladder. And the Lord spoke to you a promise that you can take to the bank. And, and he's going to say this, if, if God will be with me, and if he will protect me, and if he will provide for me, and if I return safely, then, then it, if he does this, and if he does that, and if he's with me here, and if he gives me this, and if, and if, and if, then I will believe. Then he will certainly be my God if he does these things. He was just unsure. Can I encourage you tonight and let you know that God's not intimidated by your if? Come on, if I say it like I really felt it, I would say when God gets a whiff of your if, it ain't going to scare him away. You don't even have to speak your if. God, God smells it. Oh, oh, you just if. if. God, if you can do this. I mean, isn't that what they came to Jesus and said? Jesus, if you can heal him. Jesus says, if. If. Who? Who do you think, well, of, I certainly I can heal him, but God's not intimidated by the if. When they brought that boy to Jesus, says, if you can do something, Jesus didn't turn around and say, oh, no, I, I don't deal in ifs. I don't deal in it. When Jacob said, if, God, if you do this, and God, if you do this, and if you do that, and if you are with me, and if you take me back to my father's home, and if I get there safely, and if I'm provided for all along the way, if, 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 if. Here's the thing. Your, your if, if you would just give God a then. If, 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 then God says, okay, I'm just waiting for the then. Because if you give me a then, then I will be your God. And then I will serve you. And then I will walk with you. And then I will lay down my life. God says, I will do anything for your if. I will do whatever if you put in there. Because God is not intimidated by the ifs that we put in front of our thens. Sometimes you're just going to be unsure. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't Peter a little bit unsure? He had denied Jesus. Philip, you can come up and play. I'm closing. He denied Jesus. I don't know him. Three times around the campfire. No, I don't know him. I don't know him. The Bible says the third time, he cursed the Lord. The rooster crowed. Man. The Bible says that Peter left the courtyard that he was in. He was weeping bitterly. He's locked up, hiding with the other disciples. Jesus appears to him. Still wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for Peter, because you can read in the Gospel of John, chapter 21. 
After Jesus has already appeared, already said, look, here, here's my hands, here's my feet. I'd already told Thomas, hey, put your hand right here in my side. Chapter 21, we see that Peter says, uh, guys, I don't know what, what you're going to do, but uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go fish again. I'm going to go fish again. Now, this was the same guy that Jesus said, no, I'm, I'm changing your fishing tactics. You, you used to fish for fish, but I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. But now Peter's saying, I'm, I'm not too sure about this fishing for people thing. It didn't really turn out the way that I thought it was going to turn out. It's not really everything that I thought it was going to be. Man, it definitely didn't end the way that I thought it was going to end. Because I told him myself, I gave Jesus my word. I would be there. I'll die with you. Whatever it takes, Lord. So he says, I'm, 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 going, I'm, I'm going fishing. In essence, what he's saying, he says, I'm going to go back to my old life because I'm a little unsure about this one. I'm going to go back to what I used to do because I'm a little unsure about what God called me to do. I'm going to go back to being a fisher of fish because I'm unsure that I'll ever be able to fish for people after what I've done. I'm just a, I'm just a little bit unsure. The Bible says it was just dawn and the sun was just coming up. They'd spent all night out there on the water. They ain't caught a thing. Jesus is standing on the shore and they don't know that it's Jesus. Jesus calls out there to the disciples and Says, hey, you, you guys caught anything? I said, no, not a thing. She says, okay, well, throw your, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. I just think that there was a little bit of anticipation because this had happened before. This exact thing had happened before. And they took the nets and they threw them on the other side of the boat. And the Bible says there were so many fish that they couldn't get the nets back into the boat. I, I mean, no fish on this side of the boat. The greatest catch ever on this side of the boat. I mean, what are the odds? It's kind of like the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. I mean, how does that happen? It was a miracle, right? And he throws the nets on the other side of the boat, and there's such a great catch. Peter looks at John and says, You think? You, 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 think, you, think, that, you think that's him? John says, Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. That's him. That's him. The Bible says that Peter dove into the water. He swam ahead of the boat because he wasn't waiting on them. Because he had just walked through a season of being unsure. 
Oh, I'm unsure about my calling. I'm unsure about the words that he said. I'm unsure that I'm qualified. I'm unsure. I'm just unsure about everything right now. And he had been living in so much turmoil. He had been living in so much misery. But here Jesus was standing on the shore and Peter was diving into the water and he was swimming to the shore and, and he was just saying, man, I'm sure that that's him. I've been unsure, but I just believe in my heart that at some moment Peter prayed. Said, God, if it's, if it's really real, if it's really true, will you just show yourself to me again? This, if it's really my, this is really my destiny, will you just speak to it one more time? If this is, this is really what you have for me, if you're really going to make me a fisher of men, if I'm really going to follow you, if that, then will you just show one more time? Dives in, he swims to the shore. Oh man, they, they have a little meal together. And Jesus calls Peter to the side. Jesus, Peter, do you love me? Says, yeah, Lord, I love you. Ask him the second time, do you, do you really? Do you really love me? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I, I love you. He asked him the third time. Says, do you really love me? Peter gets a little... I'm saying, he's like, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And every time Jesus told him, then feed my sheep. Jesus was telling him, you've been in a season of being unsure, but it's okay. Oh, you... Your faith was rocked. You were unsure about your future. You were unsure about me. You were unsure about you. These last few days and weeks, man, you've been living in this, this uncertainty and you were unsure. But you see, now I'm speaking into that season and I'm telling you it's time to get back into the game. It's time for you to start fishing for people again. It's time for you to begin to feed my lambs. It's time for you to take care of my flock. It's time for you to be who I've called you to be. It's time for you to be the rock. It's time for you to be the pillar. It's time for you to be my spokesperson. It's time for you to come out of that. But can I tell you that the season of being unsure didn't keep God from showing up again. Sometimes we feel like our unawareness disqualifies us. Our unpreparedness disqualifies us. Being unsure disqualifies because surely nobody that's ever been used by God was unaware that God was doing something. Surely nobody that God's used ever been unprepared when God himself shows up and God begins to speak. Surely, surely nobody in that situation was ever unprepared. And surely 
nobody that God ever used was unsure about anything. Surely that never happened. And Jacob would stand here and say, oh no, I was unaware. I was unprepared. And I was unsure. But when they talk about me, (laughs) talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God bless me beyond my wildest dreams. You see, in the journey to expansion, there's going to be seasons where where you're unaware of what God's doing. As God is expanding you in areas of your life, there are going to be things that you're unprepared for. You're not going to have everything that you need to answer every question perfectly. And as God is expanding your life during this year, there's going to be some seasons, some times, where you're just unsure. God, what are you doing right now? God, I don't know what I'm feeling. I've never been in this place before. And you are just unsure. Let me tell you, every one of those seasons is okay. Take a deep breath. Know that if you're unaware, it doesn't mean God's not available. If you're unprepared, it doesn't mean that God's not enough to put his blessing on it. And if you're unsure, it's not going to keep God from showing up and calling you out of your boat so that he can meet you on the shore and that he can reassure you again of who he is and what he has called you to do. You see, this is the journey of expansion. And if you want to expand, you got to be willing to walk through these three seasons. If you want everything that God has, you must be willing to embrace these seasons so that you can embrace the growth and the expansion that God wants to bring into your life. Come on, will you stand with me tonight? Why don't you bow your heads just for a moment? As your your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I I want you to know that the enemy does his best to bring guilt, shame, and condemnation into your life whenever you realize that you were just unaware. And, And you've had these realizations before, just unaware. There are things that you've been complaining about, griping about, and then after a period of weeks or months or years, you look back and you think, man, if that would have happened, my life would have been destroyed. Man, if that would have happened, I would have never gotten to where I am today. And God was keeping you away from something. God was pushing you away. God was not letting you get attached to that man. God was not letting you take that job. God was not letting you move to that city. And it was just like everything, and you were complaining about it, fussing about it, griping about it, and God was working it the whole time. And now you look back and you say, wow, how could I have been that blind? How could I have been that unaware? And when that happens, the enemy always loves to come to bring shame and condemnation. How could you have done that? 
how could you have been that blind? How could you have been in that situation? How could you have not known? How could, surely if you'd have really loved God, you would have known. And you were unaware, and the enemy comes to bring so much condemnation on your life. And he comes to bring condemnation and says, you know, if you really love God, you'd be prepared for things like this. You would never be unprepared if you were really committed to Jesus. God doesn't want your stone and your little oil. It's the enemy. It's the enemy. He comes. He says, you think God's going to accept that? Where's your, where's your big sacrifice? Where's your large offering? Or maybe tonight, just unsure the enemy comes and says, there's no place for doubt. There's no place for questions. There's no place for ifs in the kingdom of God. He heaps that guilt and that condemnation because you, you got a few ifs in your life. Got a few thoughts. Like Peter was thinking, he was just saying, man, I'm unsure about my future. I'm unsure about my calling. I'm unsure about my destiny. I'm unsure. Tonight, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, you say, Philip, I, I'm, I'm in one of these seasons right now. And you say, to be honest, I've been feeling bad about it. I've been feeling ashamed about it. I, I've, I've, I've been feeling guilty. I've been feeling a little condemnation. I, maybe you've even bought a little bit of the lie that the enemy was selling you about this season. And you say, but tonight, I realized that these are the seasons of expansion. Tonight, I realized there's no guilt in my unawareness. There's no guilt in my unpreparedness. There's no guilt in me being unsure. There is no guilt. There is no condemnation. These are the seasons and the cycles of life. These are the seasons and the cycles of expansion. And even though I'm unaware and unprepared and unsure, I serve a God who is so big and so full of grace and so full of love and so full of power and so full of strength that He will break through everything to get to me the same way that He did to Peter, the same way that He did to Jacob, in the same way that he did to the men and women throughout the word of God. And you say, tonight, I'm embracing this season. No guilt, no shame, no condemnation, no negative feelings. I'm embracing this season and what God wants to do in me and through me during the season that I'm in right now. Come on, if I am talking to you tonight and you say, I'm breaking through this season, to my expansion I'm moving through this season towards my expansion come on if that's you tonight I'm talking to you come on I want you to lift up your hand right now maybe feel a little guilt a little, little condemnation a little shame a little confusion come on maybe just a little unnecessary frustration come on you can lift up your hand say man that's me that's me that's me but I realize now I'm in I'm in the cycle of expansion I'm in the season and the growth 
of expansion. I'm not going to feel bad about these seasons. I'm not going to give in to the lie of the enemy about these seasons. God's going to meet me right here in my season. And the way that he blessed Jacob, he's going to bless me. And the way that he brought Peter out of where he was into the place that God had called him to be, a builder of the church, a foundation stone in the building of the kingdom of God, that's where I'm headed in my life. Come on, with your hand lifted towards heaven right now. Come on, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, say, I'm ready to move through this season. I'm not ashamed. I have no condemnation. There's no confusion. I know where I am. And I know who you are. And you will come to me And you will bless me. And you will guide me. And you will provide for me. And you will never leave me. And you will never forsake me. Through my seasons of unawareness. Through my seasons of unpreparedness. And even when I'm unsure. You will always reveal yourself to me once again. Father, I just pray in Jesus' mighty name that the significance I feel in my heart would be translated into each and every person represented in this room. God, I thank you that we are going to leave this place today and we are not carrying any shame, any guilt, any condemnation, any negativity, any frustration, any confusion. We are where we are and where we are is good enough for God to get to us and for God to pull us through that season so that one day we can stand like Jacob, blessed. We can stand like Jacob with all kinds of the blessings of God on our right, on our left, and our front and in our back the blessing of God all around because we were willing to walk through the seasons of expansion in our lives in Jesus mighty name come on somebody put a big amen on it tonight here at North Point Community Church we believe in creating Christ-centered culture-changing community through the message of Jesus Christ thank you so much for your support If you would like more information, you can visit our website at ncc.team or follow us on any social media platform at CC North Point.